0: Well, good morning, church family. Man, is it good to be together, isn't it? Yeah, come on now, you can celebrate that. That's kind of a cool thing. Welcome to those who are watching online. Glad that you're out there as well. I tell you, there's something uh, powerful about being able to be together as much as we possibly can, right? I want to say hi to Barb and uh, Katie online. Hello, Deb and Amanda. Hey, guys, everybody turn to the camera and wave. Just kind of wave because that's your church family too. They're just not ready to come back in yet. They they may have signed you. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> but, but I just wanted to say hi to them. Hey, so we're building um, something amazing uh, in our lives as we're learning through the book of Nehemiah. Not all of the book, but we're doing a study on goals, right? We're doing this series on goals. And we've been learning a little bit about what it means and what Nehemiah's been doing. The first week, we looked at the big idea of big, uh, big difficulties can inspire God-sized goals. And you see that Nehemiah got this uh, Information from his brother and some of his friends, and said, Hey, in Jerusalem, the wall is a complete disaster. And actually, Nehemiah became so saddened. He even said to his, uh, the king, who he was a cupbearer to, and said, Hey, well, how could I not be sad? The place where my ancestors are buried, that th- this is just in complete ruins. And so, please send me to go do something there because big difficulty, that was a big difficulty can inspire God-sized goals. He had a God-sized goal in mind as he was praying through it. The week after that, you are designed for God-sized goals, that the image of God is actually, you were created in the image of God. Therefore, you are designed for God-sized goals. In a situation that we are in right now, we are designed to be able to be more than conquerors through a situation like this because the church comes together in one way or another and encourages and empowers each other. Last week, uh, we learned that God gives us strength to pursue God-sized goals as we learned about opposition and how people can come up against us. Even people that are trying to be helpful actually can turn out to be hurtful. Jesus experienced that with Peter. Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. And so he's experienced that, hey, you're trying to be kind to me, I get it. But reality is, is that you're not. And so last week, we had a couple kids up here trying to build a wall. If you remember, they, they were building a little wall here, and uh, at some point in time, they, right, they trusted me, and I was sitting next to them, and I just kind of like, pushed the bricks off, and, uh, you know, my son Trevor was, um, and Weston, they were, I think they were both ready to punch me, but especially Weston was so shocked, because he had no idea I was going to do that, and I'm telling you, I think he pulled back, and then realized what he was doing, I'm telling you, you think that he doesn't think that, but I know the dude, and he probably was ready to take me out. But these people that were opposing Nehemiah were getting close to Nehemiah. And more than they were physically involved in what was going on, they were trying to get Nehemiah's head. They were saying things like, that's not going to stand up. No, that's not going to work. Why are you doing it like that? Have you ever had somebody around you in your life that would just keep going on about, that ain't going to work. That's wrong. You're not doing it right. And the whole the whole thing of if a fox roll, rolls across the top or runs across the top of that, that's not going to stand. That's going to fall down. And then the zinger, your hands are going to get tired. They were, they were trying to get into their, ha- their head. And of course, we know that the, the tongue, our words, have the power of life and death and just... Speaking it could manifest itself somehow to actually cause trouble. And so they're saying, Your hands are going to get tired. So Nehemiah, we learned last week, uh, prayed those words, but to be strengthened. Lord, strengthen my hands then. Okay, they're going to get tired? They might. Then, Lord, strengthen my hands. Somebody needs to pray, Lord, strengthen my hands. Because you've been going through life right now for the past year and even further, and and your hands are getting tired. You're getting COVID exhaustion. You're getting mentally exhausted. You're getting life exhausted, and your hands are getting tired, and you need to pray you, need, you don't need to work harder, you, don't need, you just need to start, let's start with prayer and then see where God leads you into the next season. So we're learning how to build things. The, the, next, uh, the next week is this week, and the big idea for today is that God-sized goals require that we share the story. Now, this is the idea that we share the story of our lives, for sure. We want to share what God has been doing in our lives, absolutely, got to share that story. In addition to that, even bigger responsibility is to share the story of what God has done, to make a way for other people. And that's where our story comes in, where we can actually say, here's what God has done in my life to make a way to the Father. So we're going to learn God-sized goals require we share the story. You're going to learn a story today. A lot of you may have already known the story, the history of the almost 200 years of the church society that has been doing ministry right here. So the sermon title for today is Vision Forward, a couple months ago, we looked at vision now, and we looked at who Community Life Church is now. We're going to learn a little bit of that, yes, but we're also going to look about vision forward, who we are and who are we choosing to be. We're also going to be doing a couple little blurb here from Nehemiah chapter 7 and Nehemiah chapter 8. So you can open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 7, or go to your Bible app and open that up there, and I'm going to be walking through not a whole lot of reading today but some different uh, ways to kind of correlate between what Nehemiah did and the importance of what he did and what we're doing, and what we're doing. So, Nehemiah chapter 7. We're going to be reading, as we learn this vision forward, we're going to be reading here in uh, verses 1 and 2. Now, a couple verses here I'm going to read. After the wall had been built and I had set the doors in place, so here we've reached chapter 7 of Nehemiah, and the walls are done. Last week, we got to the point to where the walls were almost done, the frames of the gates were done, but the doors itself were not done, which was a huge big deal, so it was further from completion than you would think. Because the gates were actually, everything entered and exited through those gates. And so if there were, if there were no gates there, then people could just kind of come and go as they please. And so this had to be done. So here's why he's being very intentional with the details to say, after the walls had been built and I had set the doors in place... The gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites uh, were appointed. Now, here's some homework that I think would be a fun study if you care to to, to look into this, which maybe you should. Um, The musicians. Why in the world would he appoint musicians? Right? Think on that and spend some time maybe this week and kind of figure out uh, what, what God is doing there, what he was doing back in the day. It's interesting. We kind of appoint musicians, don't we? Right? We want to praise God. And God even tells us, we will learn from the writings of David, that we should praise the Lord uh, in music. Uh, Verse 2, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity. Not because I liked him, not because we were uh, related or distantly related in any way, but because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. So here we are in Nehemiah chapter seven. If uh, does anybody ever have a time have a hard time falling asleep at night? Anybody have a time? It, okay, so if that happens tonight, read Nehemiah chapter seven, okay? Read Nehemiah chapter seven, and pretty quick you're gonna be like, right? Like you're gonna be out. Nehemiah chapter 7, you should totally read through it because there's amazing details. Nothing was put in this canonized 66 books of the Holy Bible that is not beneficial for us to learn and understand. There are some things that are just a little bit harder to get through to understand, but Nehemiah does a thing. He does this, uh, rec- the, this, this record. He registers the people. So he's looking around, and he sees that the walls are built, this pretty red brick, right? And the walls are built, the gates are in, and he's standing back, and, and he's looking at the temple, and he's like, wow, this is amazing. And so this grand space, and he's saying, wow, there's not as many people. And so he starts doing this record of people, that have returned from exile. So you remember there was a time when the Babylonians would come in, they came in and destroyed everything, and they exiled everybody, kicked everybody out, destroyed everything. Now there was a point where, hey, you can go back, you can do, you can, you can go back. And one of the kings were, were kind of appointed. I feel God is asking me to do this thing, right? And so people were going back. So Nehemiah starts doing this record. And he starts listing through these families. So, this is why I tease a little bit here when you read through Nehemiah chapter 7, because if you have it in front of you, you'll understand. Later, when you look at Nehemiah chapter 7, you'll, you'll get a better idea. So, it goes in verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 8, and it says, This is the number of the men of Israel who returned from exile. And he starts listing this the family of Parash, 2,172. The, the family of. Elam, 1,254. And it goes on and on and on. The family of Gibber, 95. One of these families, let's see, there's a 2,800. There's a 3,900, right? Sena, the citizens of Sena, 3,900. So all these people, and he's listing these things to see, okay, so who do we have to work with? Who's part of our family now? Who has returned to the place of their origin? Who is now going to go to war with us, so to speak? And so that's why uh, we often will have you register for something, we will have you go through your information, go through your address, because as, as a privilege, as a pastor, it is my responsibility to shepherd, but if I don't know who I'm supposed to be shepherding, then I could be wasting energy uh, reaching out to somebody, where otherwise somebody else is actually taking care of them. So it's not... It's not, it's not worth my time, if you will, hear my heart when I say this, If, if you're already being cared for, then you're being cared for. So now I have the opportunity to care for someone else. So that's why we often will have you register for something, verify your information, because we need to be able to keep a record. We need to be able to keep a log of, okay, so who's part of the family? Who are we responsible for? Who are we going to war with? Who are we going to be the church with? and so very similar to what Nehemiah is doing and then he goes on he starts like listing all the all the different things that there's that uh, there was around Jerusalem right so he's going about the gold and he's talking about how many donkeys there were there were 6720 donkeys that is a lot of Donkeys in one place, right? I know you've been in places where you're like, it seems like there's a lot of donkeys around here. I get it, right? That's the world we live in. It's not going to get better. It's going to keep deteriorating because that's what sin does. But there is a place we long for called heaven. We are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of that place. And so that's why we feel out of place here. You with me? And so he's listing all these things. He's listing all the different, uh, like there's gold, there's Uh, pounds of silver, and he just goes on and on and on. 20,000 gold coins, like this would be the place to go. And so he's listing out details. This is what we have to work with. And we've been doing that. It's very challenging because there's just a lot to kind of go through. Even within our facility, we've been going through and trying to uh, figure out, like, what do we have within the facility to work with? Because if you think you don't have something, and you go out and buy something, and then you find it later, you with me? This is the thing that you put on a top shelf that, you'll never, that you haven't been able to find, and you went out and bought another one, and you just used money you didn't have to use. So we want to inventory and try to bring things together as best as we know how to do, so that way we manage the finances of our family to the best of our ability, right? Right? Sounds like a good idea. You probably do it in your house, and this is our family, and so we do it here as well. Nehemiah registers the people. He creates a very detailed list of everything in the city. Uh, We have much to remember as a church family and much to record we're going to start we're going to start uh, where we are today and we 're going to work backwards and I want to show you a record of how this this society as it was called back in the day of a church family began as early as even eighteen twenty eight and then the church uh, the first church building was put together or they started meeting uh, in, in that building probably eighteen 18- 32. So that was about a minute ago, right? Uh, Nobody here was there. Not even going to make a joke about that. And nobody was here then. And so that was a a long time ago. And over the years, we have had a few different names. And so I, I think it's important for us to know where we have come from. It's important to know some of our roots. It's important to know the record of what we're working with. So our church family, as you know of it today, is Community Life Church. We believe that we are a community church, that even before uh, we were called Community Life Church and we would interact with the community, people would say, hey, can we use the lower level for this or for that? And I would say, listen, absolutely. What does it cost? We would say, nothing, it doesn't cost anything. Well, why? Well, because we're a community church, and so you don't have to attend here to consider this to be your community. Like, you don't have to attend here. Like, we are just in this together. And so we, we believe in doing community life together. Now, before that, we, uh, many of us know, we were Cornerstone Church mogador. As, uh, as it is, though, uh, perhaps maybe God was doing a work even before Cornerstone Church Mogador in Mogador Christian Church, where there came a period of time where, where Mogador Christian Church and Cornerstone Church of Portage Lakes in Coventry got together to create something of great value. And there was this adoption process where Cornerstone of Portage Lakes adopted Mogador Christian Church, and the, and the church family was renamed Cornerstone Church Mogador. And what an amazing opportunity to do something that only God can do. Now, there was the hope that there would be this one church in two locations, and we'd be able to continue to do ministry together moving forward. We found that to be uh, something that we weren't going to continue at that time. But that we found an opportunity as both campuses voted together to launch this church family as an independent church to become and to do everything that it needed to do within the community. That way Cornerstone could focus on the community in which they're in, in Portage Lakes, and we were able to care for the community of Mogador in the way that God was calling us to. It is as though perhaps God used the adoption to nurture and grow this church family to be strong once again for ministry, to continue the legacy. What a blessing to adopt, restore, and launch. Perhaps it was an act of loving, learning, and leading. Now, when the church family became Mogador Christian Church, it was about the time that this addition over here that was called the Education Wing in 1956 was put on. And so uh, ministry was growing and needed more space and began to put on this addition. Before that, this building right here that we're sitting in here, this is the auditorium. And of course, we have the balcony and spaces in front and behind and below. And this is the new building. Welcome. This is the new building that was from uh, that time, the disciples of Christ. Keep in mind, we come from a lineage, a heritage, if you will, of being more committed to following Jesus and caring for people than we did the structure. And here's how I know this. Before uh, the disciples of Christ, as we were going as, as we were probably more into the Church of Christ, uh, there was another building. It sat just over there, most likely around where the sign is for the Mogador High School, and it looked a little bit different. Uh, let me show you an image of this church. This was the church that was there in 1832. And people gathered, of course, in that time, there weren't individual rooms, most likely. Maybe there was a space for the pastor, but probably not. And so there was just a big space where people came together, and guess what they were doing? Family services. They were getting together with everybody, and all the noises and all the things that were being dropped on the floor and everything that was happening, they came together as a family, and parents were responsible for nurturing and discipling their children. This is this is where we've come from. Now, that was the church early. The next church here, with a little bit of an addition and a house next to it there, that was the, the church that people grew into, right? People are coming to know Jesus. We're gathering together as a church family, so we need to add on. But there came a point in time, whether subconsciously or not, the family of God, the church people, got together and said, We are outgrowing this building. We need a new space. And so in order, so this is the thought process I have in 2021. In order for people in 2021 to be able to have the space they need, we need to no longer meet there, but we need to meet here. And the next picture shows... The building with just this section here. You'll see over here, this road right here is Curtis Street, and that's the side of the church that does not have the education wing on it. This is the new building that is now almost 100 years old. And so we are here because the people in which the shoulders we stand on made a decision and created a beautiful space for us to gather, for us to worship. And for us to grow together. We have a record of our people. We have a record of the people uh, just like in Nehemiah 7. And we see in Nehemiah chapter 8 as we move forward that everyone got noticed by Nehemiah. You go through the list in Nehemiah chapter 7, everybody got noticed. Some were invested in, but few were empowered There's a handful of people, a good number of people actually, that we empower to do the leadership with the church family, to guide us and instruct us, because not every character is able to handle the weight of certain responsibilities. It's like that in every family. My wife actually handles the bills within our church family because we discovered early on that that was not a good idea for me to handle by myself. So I was doing it, then we were doing it, and then she has taken it on. So she can never die right? Think about it for a minute, right? What do you mean she can never die? Right. I got to go first. And so she's handling, she's handling it all. I have an idea. We're doing okay. And so um, we have an idea on how things are going, but everybody has different gifts and everybody has different talents and abilities. He was selective and entrusted the most to those who showed the most integrity and the most faithfulness, not necessarily just those who had the most talent, So as Community Life Church, we started from the very beginning that we want to give people an opportunity to be involved in areas that maybe otherwise they just would never be involved in. We want to give people an opportunity to grow in ways and experience new ways. Little Ava that was standing right here, precious fifth grader, Ava Murphy, so sweet, just want to pat her on the head, right? She's doing this. And I go, how did it go? She goes, I was so nervous. I know, I get it. She goes, I don't know how you do that every week. And I said, well, I still get nervous too. I said, you just accomplished something that is actually the number two fear in all the world. First deaf, then public speaking, right? You know this if you've never done it. And I said, well, now you can say that you have experience with doing that. And I want all of my... Family. One thing that I love that we do at Chapel Hill Christian School, I don't know that they're going to do it this year, but speech meet, I don't think they're going to have it this year, because you stand in front of a room of people, of peers, and you give a speech. That is stinking hard, so hard. Even right now, you're going, I cannot believe they would subject children to that. But what an opportunity to push past the fear. Not, it's not about the talent, right? It's about those with the most character and faithfulness so here is a group of individuals that have shown great character and great faithfulness as we have become community life church wonderful people that have gotten together that we call the board of directors now in order to be able to give uh, the church family access at some level to the board of directors we have created an email address for you to be able to go to directly that you do not have to come to me directly you do not have to come to our staff or our dream team is referred to it as you can go to the board of directors at myclc.info it's going to be on our website sometime this week and we'll get it up there but wanted to give you access to be able to connect with the board directly ask questions and talk through because nobody is behind a curtain unaccessible every we're a family We sit together in the living room, we talk, we pray, we cry, we get empowered, we have a moment of grieving, we go through all that stuff, and we do it together. So here is the CLC Board of Directors. Carl Housley serves as our chairman, Nicole Dyer serves as our secretary. Don Bethel is a prayer team lead. Ken Fairs, uh, who had knee surgery a couple months ago, who's healing well and doing good as our facility director. Uh, John Benedetto, who I refer to as Obi-John, uh, is our CFO. He gets the name Obi-John, like Obi-Wan. Who watches Star Wars? Right, there we go. So you get it. So I call him Obi-John because he's he is a, he, he's a he's a wise guy, you know. Uh, Kimmy Hoke is our COO, handles a lot of our HR. Uh, in, In that area, Missy Davis is brand new to the board, but is working on connecting people to hope, coming up with different ideas, and had a brilliant thing on Thursday. So I have no details to share with you because she's just developing whatever God's putting on her heart right now. So you can see the board of directors is actively involved in what's happening in the life of the church. They don't just show up, hear what I have to say, vote once in a while, and go home. They're actively involved in pursuing, making sure that we are all going in the same direction, that is who community life is everybody gets a role everybody gets an opportunity to serve nobody gets to sit on the side now our dream team that you would know of as a staff is uh, Nicole Dyer is our family life director Ryan Cassidy is our tech director is Ryan back there Yeah, he's back there kind of doing a tech thing. He is always behind a desk or a wall or something like that, but still accessible. So when you watch online and you see things up here, he is directly responsible for those things and he makes it happen every single week. Maddie Bethel, or I refer to as Mattalie or Dr. B, we have nicknames and I give people nicknames, so bear with me. She is our executive assistant. Uh, She works throughout the week to do a whole bunch of stuff. There's really no way to narrow it down, is it, Natalie? Like, she's just doing a whole bunch of stuff. You were blessed today because um, by the seating because of what her and her mom decided to do together. So what a blessing it is to be able to come in and have that in a, in a time such as this. And of course, there's me. And so that's our team. We are accessible. We want to care for you. And here's the thing is, we don't want to do church or anything for you. We want to do it with you. And so if you say, well, I'm just kind of here to like whatever, okay, you know what? There's going to be a couple people of that, that's fine, love you, but understand that my time is going to be invested in those who are on the battlefield with me, not that are watching it from a distance. And so the staff, the dream team, and the board of directors are just going to get more time with me than anybody because it's my responsibility to lead, be discipled, and disciple, and we're doing that. We're doing that. Does it mean that I don't spend time with anybody else? It just means that there are some people that you spend more time with others. You need to hear that today, that you are not responsible to disciple Ohio by yourself, that you are responsible to start where you are. I am responsible to start with my family and spend time with my family. And when I start uh, slipping on the priority of a time at home, then my wife, who God has given me to keep me in line, says, hey, keep in mind this, this, and this. And we try to streamline that and bring it back together. We work hard. We are not perfect, but we work hard at uh, uh, breakfast morning uh, devotion time where we just kind of talk through. We've been doing the temple challenge where we're listening to the book of Acts. If you didn't know, you could just listen to it, pull up the Bible app, and you can actually just let it play and just listen to the word of God. What a blessing that is. And so we're doing those things and we're spending time together. Some people just get more time with you than others, and that's okay. Some just get so spread that nobody really gets good time, everybody just gets a piece. So find those people in your life that you really need to invest in and spend time with, and don't you dare let yourself stay feeling guilty for having to say no to somebody, because whoever you say yes to, it is an automatic no to somebody else. Hey, can you do this with me on a Monday night? I say yes, I have to say no to something else. If you try to call me, if you have my number, I don't know, I'm not publicizing it, but if you have my number, you try to call me at 8 o'clock at night, typically I'm just not going to answer that phone uh, because, one, I'm at home. Um, which is kind of where I need to be. And if it's an emergency, we'll figure it out there, um, or I'll, I'll, I'll check my messages. But uh, 8 o'clock, I'm usually uh, sitting in uh, Brooklyn's bed, reading a story, usually. And then, which is my routine, I walk over to Gracie's room, and she has a bunk bed, and I just kind of sit up there with my arms in her bed, and I just talk to her, and we talk about all kinds of all kinds of crazy stuff, don't we? Like anything and everything that comes in our heads, man, and we'll talk about stuff and then I'll go over there and Trevor and I will wrestle as he's calming down and getting ready for bed and we'll just kind of beat up on each other a little bit. But that is my time and that's who I'm going to be at, at that time, okay? So it's probably just not going to be able to take me away from that. But I will check my messages and kind of see if and prioritize what that looks like. Some people need more of your time and other people need less of your time. And what we're learning from Nehemiah is that very thing. Jesus gave us the same model. If you think this is an Old Testament thing or just a goofy pastor thing, Jesus gave us the same model. He notices the masses and touches many. He walked with a handful and was very close to a few. So even in his 12, he would take a couple of those 12 off from time to time to have additional special time with them. We empower the ones who will steward the responsibility and use it to bless others. We want to empower those who can actually take the responsibility of whatever that looks like in leadership and uh, relationships and empower other people. Sometimes people will surprise you and do better than you actually think. You think, I don't know I'm going to spend any time with them. Well, give it a shot. Some people are just not going to hear it. And that's why Jesus says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, we're talking about domesticated household dogs. We're talking about a pack of almost coyotes back in the day here that would just be all through the the roads and everything and trying to destroy and find food and just get into places and cause trouble. And so what this is saying right here, what Jesus is saying is simply this. Some people are just not going to hear it. Some people are not going to listen to you. And so ready, hear my heart on this. Don't use your time on that then. We spend more time chasing someone than we probably should. I'm simply not going to want you to live for Christ more than you. Because your life is not my life. I want to give you every opportunity to do it. But I can't want it more than you. So if somebody basically says, I'm just not going to be doing this, I'm going to be praying for that to change, but my, ch- my time might be shifted. I know in our culture we think, like, well, that just sounds... Wrong. Isn't it interesting how culture can shift things? We call it grace and it becomes codependency. And so, Nehemiah chapter 8, as we learn here, he's reading in verse, I'm reading in verse 18. Day after day, uh, from the first day to the, to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. Now, Ezra, where did he come from? You remember when we talked at the very beginning of this conversation of this series that Ezra and Nehemiah, that document or letters, was actually one. It was called Ezra and Nehemiah. And so in our modern translations, they decided to separate the two of that. But there's very, they're very, very much so tied together. Ezra was focusing on the building of, the, of Jerusalem, the temple, and then Nehemiah was focusing on the wall around Jerusalem. And so here, Ezra's working, and here he is in chapter 8, he pops on the scene, and him and Nehemiah are working on the spiritual growth of people, and here's what happened. This is the craziest thing. They would stand and they would read Scripture, most likely in the temple, standing there and reading the Scripture, and people would come and hear it. Then they would celebrate what they're learning. They didn't have coffee, they didn't have donuts, they didn't have cool water, they didn't have popular... Like, they just, they just came because the Word of God was enough for them. And then they celebrated it. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance to the regulation, there was an assembly. The, the celebration here was called the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, or the Feast, the Feast of uh, Shelters. And the reason why it was called that is because God had commanded in the law that during this this time, this feast, they were to build shelters or booths or something. So they weren't huge. They weren't like mega houses. There were spaces for them to get inside and to rest in. And the reason for this is there's always a reason. Like God doesn't just do a thing because, ah, I felt good. Like the reason behind this was for them his people to remember the provision or the protection that the Israelites received during the time of the Exodus. So they were to celebrate the goodness of God. I know, right? This is so crazy. So they're celebrating this, and they're, re- they're, they're remembering, they're reading through Scripture. Of course, at this time, they didn't have the canonized 66 books right here, as we know of, as the Holy Bible, but they had the Scripture. They had, they had the uh, book of the law of God, and they would read it. People would show up to hear it, and it was enough. Is God's word enough? I mean, really, is it enough for us to really say, listen, i got to hear the Word? Now, of course, we have it on every possible source, devices in our hands. Most of us probably have a handful of Bibles. We don't even know where they are in our house. And so we actually got used to it. And now it's just kind of a decoration in our house. I want to encourage you that a dusty Bible, you've heard these phrases. These are not just corny cliche, a dusty Bible Right, It's probably part of a dirty life or something like that. Brush it off, man. Brush it off and start marking it up. I've I've started highlighting stuff in here so that I can remember later what I was learning and how I was growing. You don't have to do that. But it is vitally important, believer, that you open your Bible and you read it. Now, though we are part of an ongoing society of believers as Community Life, we have a new vision for ministry. Now, before we were Community Life Church, you know, we were Cornerstone Church Mogador. and about half or a little bit more of the core values and the things of that nature, we have brought into who we are with some modifications of of being Community Life Church, and I want to share those things with you. But first, I want to look at the vision of, of who Community Life is. We've seen this before. It's on our wall over there but we've got to keep just kind of thinking through this because this is what the church family does. And this isn't unique to us. This is the Great Commission that we pass on the Jesus faith to new generations and not just new generations to all generations. The fact that I had the privilege of baptizing a 70 year old man because he's just really committing himself to Christ for the first time it's not all about just the new it is vitally important to reach the new but it is not all about one segment. It is about the generations that end. Anybody who seeks, anybody who wants can hear and can receive. So really it comes down to we want to pass this on. And not just any faith, not a blind faith, not an entertaining faith, not an exciting faith, but a Jesus faith. Now is a Jesus faith exciting? Sure, absolutely. But is it easy? Nope. Not easy at all. Our mission is that we love, we learn, and we lead people into discipleship. It is one thing for us to be able to uh, reach people for Jesus, right? We say, we say, we want to help people ask Jesus in their heart, and we want, we want people to come in here and hear the gospel, and they'll come forward, and, and we'll pray, or prior to COVID, we would come forward to the altar, and we'd all be able to touch it, and we would pray together, and I'd be able to get face-to-face with the person without a mask on, and, and be able to just whisper into their ears, and they would pray the prayer to, to really say, I'm choosing to follow Jesus with my life. But, and that's a great thing, but the greatest disservice that we can do as a church family is to say, great, now you're saved, go sign up for something. That's the worst possible thing that we can do is just, okay, now let's just see how it goes. Because it is our responsibility that we are told in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, teach them to obey, it wasn't the Apostle Paul, it was Jesus, teach them to obey all the things that I have taught you. Do you see the difference? It's not about just Bible memorization. It's not about just knowing where this letter came from, this document. It's about learning and teaching how to obey. Because there will come a time in your life where something good is in your life, and you actually have to deny yourself that good thing because it doesn't take you to the thing. And so you have to understand that denying yourself is not a bad thing. It's okay. I know Americans, we want it all. We want the cake, and we want to eat it too, with ice cream. But sometimes, even good needs to not be in our life. The discerning factor is you connecting with the Spirit of God. That's hard. Somebody ever said following Jesus was going to make things better? Yeah, sure absolutely but it's hard jesus was the worst salesman for christianity cuz he said oh, you you got to deny that you got to leave that let the dead bury their own nope don't you know it's got it's got to look like you hate your family compared to me and people were like uh. and thousands upon thousands saw hope and followed jesus We learn through the book of Acts as we're reading through the temple challenge that thousands were added on the day of Pentecost and how people heard the truth, responded to the truth, and now we have to pamper the truth? This is the way that it is. Let's receive it with joy. It's probably because of the way that we have been living it that it's hard for people to receive it. So that's our mission and our vision. Here's our statements of faith uh, and uh, core values. Uh, With the headers of love, learn, and lead. We love, we learn, and we lead. You always have to write, love God, love people. We're always learning. You can never stop learning. The, the day you stop, or st- you stop learning is the day you truly die. You have to always be learning in some fashion. If you say, well, I've been through the Bible so many times, I know basically all of it. (laughs) Right. And so what I would encourage you to do is go through it again and again and again, seeing what God has for you. But it doesn't stop there. We must lead others into that. A disciple of Christ is defined by discipleship of being discipled and discipling. So love, it's about Christ. It's not about us. We're here to love like Jesus and follow where he leads with truth and grace. We want to follow where he leads. It's not about, hey, God, got a great idea. I'm asking you to bless it. No, no, we're going to find out what God's up to, and we're going to jump on board, even if it's different than our thoughts, even if it's different than what we thought the vision was supposed to be. We look at what God is doing, and we're ready to move. We're ready to pivot. We're ready to shift at any time because God's on the move. The second portion of that under love is our time, our talent, our treasure are joyfully shared to love our communities to Jesus and to disciple those joining the family of God. It's not about housing converts, it's about making disciples. It's about connecting with people in the long walk, as they say, of discipleship. Statements of faith and core values under love. The next one is, Jesus sacrificed privilege and preference to pursue us. And the reason why we know that to be true, and you can pull these references up, you can go on our website, myclc.info, and you can cross-reference all this. Our dream team actually did this. So it's not just something that they go, oh, that's cute. They looked up the verses, we read the verses, and we, we made sure that everything was still fitting. And so you can do that as well. Jesus uh, sacrificed privilege and preference. We know this is because we know that in Scripture teaches us that he did not seek equality as something to be grasped. Though he was God in the flesh, he operated as a man in full relationship with God. Right? 100% God, 100% man. And yet he did not seek after that equality there. He sacrificed those things. We choose to do the same as we love people near near and far from God. We want to reach those who are lost and far from God, but we also want to uh, care for those who are near to God. More in the New Testament than anything else, you'll see how the church is supposed to care for the church. We have lost this technique of actually looking at each other and how are you doing? You doing okay and encouraging each other. Rather, we have been so focused out there, which is not a bad thing, that we actually miss the fact of our brothers and sisters in here. It's like living with people you don't talk to. Well, yeah, I have a family at home, and we're fine. Do you ever talk to them? Do you ever encourage them? Well, no, I'm too busy at work. Same concept. We need to encourage one another, pray for each other. You might say to your brother or sister, hey, I'm going to go talk to somebody about the gospel this week. Will you pray over me? Right? Encouraging and go. The second portion of that is learn. We believe that every obstacle is an opportunity for God to grow us in faith we choose the confidence through all circumstances, and believe we can learn from any situation. So this past year has given us a lot to try to learn from, huh? Anybody have a rough twenty twenty? Right? Okay. Everybody online's going, I'm not listening to this dude anymore. <laughs> but you guys are stuck, and uh, doors are locked too. Just kidding. So so we're here. We have confidence through all circumstances, and believe that we can learn from any situation. If Hear me when I say this, it does not, anything that comes to you uh, cannot touch you, right? Nothing can touch you until it passes through the hands of the Father, which means that if I choose to trust my Heavenly Father, I trust Him in all things, not just what I perceive as good things. So this past year, you know what I've been praying? God, help us learn whatever we need to know, because I do not want to go through this again. And that's my personal prayer. If there's a thing that's hard or a difficulty, God, teach me now. Help me, smack me, hit me, whatever it takes. Apparently, I'm expecting him to come after me. And so tell me whatever I need to know. Help me learn it so that I don't have to go through this again. Some, of, some people go through things over and over and over again. It's the same difficulty. But maybe you didn't learn the first time from whatever that was. I choose to believe. I understand that statement, right? Why does bad things happen to good people? I don't care for that statement because there is none righteous or good, not even one. So it's a false statement. It's a false statement. So really it comes down to, Father, whatever comes into my life, I'm going to choose to trust you. God, if you loved me, then why would you? It's just like the Garden of Eden when the devil said, did he really say he's been shifting and twisting the truth little by little to give you enough? He did it with Jesus. Why wouldn't he do it with us? Well, Scripture says, and then Jesus came back and said, but it also says, statements of faith and core values under learn. Learning God's purpose for our lives comes from getting on the field. Not watching from the sidelines. You want to grow? Get in the game. You can get in the game. There are so many opportunities that you can get in the game uh, in person and online. You know, we have people that are actually serving from home because there are opportunities to be able to serve and get in the game. Somehow, some way, uh, from this point forward, being a part of the board of directors, understand it is a situation that when you get into the board, we we are actively uh, working people on the board. It is not something so you're like, oh man, that'd be so fun. Yeah, it will be great. It will be enjoyable. It will be fulfilling, but it will be work because the family needs to do this together. We're not sitting on the side. We're getting on the field. And the third section of this under our statement of faith and core values is lead. We want to lead with what we are for, not what we are against. So we will lead uh, primarily with what we are for. But there are times in personal conversations and discipleship moments, you have to share those things that we simply are not going to do. There are ways that we are going to behave and there are ways we are not going to behave as a follower of Christ. I don't make the rules, but I enforce them, so to speak, right? And so the idea here is, is that we want, to, we want people to know like, oh yeah, definitely the love of Jesus. But understand it's not a pampering love of Jesus. Sometimes he's going to hold your feet to the fire and you might get a little burned. Why? Because you needed to. You needed that tough love. But then we say, oh, it's just so hard Jesus left me. That's not true. He's on the battlefield with you. So just because you don't see him right away doesn't mean he's not doing whatever he needs to do. So, we are followers of Jesus, not fans of Jesus. None of us should ever stand back going, Jesus, you're doing so good. You just keep on going, man. Yep. Now, I'm not, no, no, not for me, but you keep going. We are followers. We follow Jesus into the midst of it all, we don't just cheer him on. We exist to empower people, not to entertain them. Are there going to be fun things? Yeah, we do some fun things. I love to do things that are fun. I love to do things that are like, oh, man, this is cool. We do things up here, even maybe a skit or a funny act or something going on. But our primary goal is to empower people to go and, what do we say at the end of the service? Go and be the church, baby. That's it. Because you are not supposed to come here. Oh, that was cute. Leave the movie and forget about it. You actually are supposed to leave it and go be the movie. Is a big difference. Big difference. Statement of faith and core values of lead. The next one is we want to lead the way to the cross, no exceptions. We want to lead people to Jesus. Every sincere seeker is invited to become part of the family of God and a disciple of Jesus. Everybody's invited. You get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. And based on what we've learned through Nehemiah, based on what we understand with character and the way people love Jesus, there are going to be some people that are going to be just uh, the, the, the character of who they, the, the, what they've developed. That's going to just catapult them into different roles. They're Not better roles, different roles. Everybody has a purpose and a plan. You may not know yours yet. And so that's, why, that's how we uh, lead people. With our core values. Now, our focus for 2021 20, uh, is going to be simply this. I am the church. You've heard that statement that we are the church, right? Right? We are the church. Great statement. Oftentimes, we miss the fact that when we focus on the we, we just assume someone else can do it. Well, we're the church, so they can do it, or they can do it, they can do it. Let's let's stop that for a moment, and let's look at how I am the church. How do I fit in we? How do I fit Fit in the we. What does it actually mean to be the church? It means we are the body of Christ. First Corinthians tells us that the eye cannot say to the hand, "I don't need you," and the head cannot say to the feet, "I don't need you." Nobody here gets to say, "Well, I mean, it's nice having you around, but we really don't need you." <laughs> you know, everybody has a purpose. Everybody. You may not have just have not been able to discover it just yet. We are all the body of Christ. I am the body of Christ. Say that statement. I am the body of Christ. The next one is, we are the bride of Christ, which is, how am I the bride of Christ? Well, the bride of Christ, see, this is kind of a... It's kind of a hard one for us to picture because the view of marriage in our world today is supposed to be the image of a covenant between a man and a woman, right? This covenant between two people that actually is uh, everlasting, right? This isn't a shaming thing, people. This is just a revealing thing of, of what we learn here. So marriage is supposed to be this image of Christ and the church. Christ made a covenant with us. And he said, I'm going to be with you. You are my church. I am not going to abandon you. I'm going to be there with you. And even though we continually mess it up, this goes even back to the covenant that God made with Israel. The covenant with God and Israel, he says, I'm with you. I'm going to be with you. But Israel kept messing it up. Israel kept betraying God. Israel was cheating on God. No joke, idolatry. Kept messing it up, but God was faithful every step. And then he made, in addition to that, a new covenant through Christ as him being the groom and us being the bride. Now, I know it almost feels kind of crazy, right, guys, where you're just kind of like, I don't know how I feel about being the bride of this dude. It's... my. I get it. Like, I've had those thoughts. I'm just not cool being the bride. You know what I mean? I have a bride. I'm not the bride. And, and so here's the reality of it. It's, not, it's much deeper and broader than, than that. It's about the covenant. It's not a contract. It's a covenant that God made with us as the church. And we have the privilege of serving and submitting to him. We are the family of God. Have you guys seen that TV show, This Is Us? You guys saw that? It came on a while ago. Shelly and I just rolled into this uh, again. We tried it the first time, didn't really care for it, and then we tried it again. Love it. We just came through the scene um, where Kevin was uh, in New York and he's getting ready to do uh, stage acting, and it was going to be his big break, and he was on the phone with his brother Randall, and Randall was having a meltdown, and so Kevin had to make a decision. What am I going to give up? Or do I need to give up? anything to be able to care for Randall, seconds from going on this stage, right, he leaves and abandons this thing that he thought was so important, to sit and hold his brother. So I need to ask you, what are you willing to abandon and give up in order to care for your brother and sister? Something that we all need to consider and think about because we truly are the family of God. We are the house of God. We are the living temple of God. We are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ, as, with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. We are the house of God. We are the temple of God. And Jesus is our cornerstone. Everything was built upon him. Everything. Everything. It's not what we have done. It is Him. Who are we? We are the church. I am the church. So I hope that this has helped bring it together to understand that God-sized goals require that we share the story. You need to tell somebody right away that you truly are grateful to have Christ as your Savior. And share the story. Share the stories. There's successes, there's failures, and it's personal, yes, but also the gospel and the hope of Jesus we need to share. So what's our next step? How will you be the church? Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you now in the name of Jesus and we're so grateful for your word. We believe that it does not return void. I pray that all of us have had a better understanding of what it means to have God-sized goals and that the simple fact that with these God-sized goals, it requires that we share the story. Help us to remember these things so that we can share these things. We trust you in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thanks so much for signing up today, for being here. If you're watching online, thanks so much for watching. Great to be connected as best as we possibly can. Make sure that you're watching from a distance, right? Make sure that you're connecting in some way. Otherwise, it's just not going to be good for you. We want you to connect with someone somewhere that can grow you and to develop you. Families, if you want to check out this conversation further, go to myclc.info. And if you're choosing to follow Jesus for the first time, Let us know so that we can empower you to move forward in that relationship. Now, will you stand with me and receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today? May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now go and be the church.